Hi everybody, welcome back to Rad Chat. Today we'll be featuring part two of our chat with Andrew Schaefer, author of Hope Never Dies and other fantastic books. Rad Chat has been on a bit of a break for the last few weeks. Things have been a bit crazy in the real world, and personally I just need a little time to think things through and figure out the best way to handle them. After giving it a lot of thought, I figured out, well, let's just finish up another podcast. So I have a few more that I'm working on, and as always, I am thrilled that you have chosen to spend some time with me. And as usual, please feel free to rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff you do with your favorite podcasts, and I hope this is one of them. Without further ado, let's move on to Andrew Schaefer, Part 2. So were you a wrestling fan growing up at all? Oh, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, huge wrestling fan. Um, yeah. Were you? Were you? I, a little bit. I was a big fan of, like, the 80s, basically the giant action figures, you know, when they were, that's what they were on real life there's yeah. big bulky dudes being you know big sweaty man men slapping meat as it would be yeah i mean there was no difference probably in my mind between uh you know wrestlers at the time uh, you know although i knew it was fake but um you know there was no difference between the wrestlers and then the gi joes they're just a different type of action figure and i had all the you know the little uh hulk hogan and different action figures so um you know it wasn't it it, it wasn't weird to me at all when like sergeant slaughter appeared on gi joe uh, which is the strangest thing. You're like, wait a minute, right. this is a wrestler and he's a real guy. No, his name is really Sergeant Slaughter. Well, it turns out his name isn't Sergeant Slaughter. And although he would tell people he had been in the army, that wasn't true at all. No, and no, <laughs> uh, he's, he's gotten in some trouble recently. All right. I don't know about trouble, but people sort of. Uh, uh, raise their eyebrows at him because he he continues to tell people that he was in the army and he wasn't. Um, well, but that yeah, Slaughter saying he's in the army because Sergeant Slaughter was certainly in the army. <laughs> no, but he's no the not. the guy that plays yeah. Sergeant Slaughter is is <laughs> you know he's what is he seventy? He's just a little bit confused about the difference between. Uh, real life and uh, kayfabe and so he's just yeah but but at the you know at the time in the 80s when uh, when this figure showed up i was like oh my gosh wait a minute he's real but he's also a gi joe it was just it was just mind-blowing and then they also did the same thing with refrigerator perry um yeah. who was who was a chicago bears player and just just a i mean he had the physique of a refrigerator and his toy was totally insane because it came with a mace, but instead of the the ball with spikes, it was a football. football. Yeah. So it was a football on the end of a chain, and I'm like, what? What? How is? I don't know. Anyway, that one I go. That one in my mind went a little too far. I was like, I can believe Sergeant Slaughter's a GI Joe, but this is kind of, this is this is getting. This is getting a little out there, guys. I know Fridge is a real guy, and I don't think he hits people with a football mace. It's He's just... also in the WWE Hall of Fame as well. Uh, the Fridge Perry? Yep. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I think it's a requirement. You have to be a, a G.I. Joe figure, and then you can become a WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, I would assume you just get right in with that. But yeah, yeah, he was... There was there was some some weird sort of crossovers uh, there, and then in in one of the weirdest ones in the comics, the original GI Joe showed up once, 
and uh, and and it was just a whole setup for every person that met the original GI Joe to say, "Ah, oh, I thought you'd be taller." <laughs> Um, because it was uh, allegedly the original G.I. Joe from the the 70s uh, or okay. the, six, the 60s and 70s, like the large like the action prototype. figure. Right. Yeah, yeah, like the large action figure. What what you know what my parents think of as G.I. Joe. Um, <laughs> and and so I was just like, oh, my gosh, that guy was so boring. But but yeah, he, he showed up in the comics once. So um, and I still didn't want his action figure because he was boring. <laughs> So they, do they make a three and a half size GI Joe? GI Joe? No, it was just a. It was just in the comics. I oh, so. so I know that would have been like that would have been the most obvious thing they could have ever done is just a GI Joe, GI Joe, and they're like, yeah, eh, whatever. <laughs> Codename Joe? I mean, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. You would think there's one, but no, no. I found that the reason I asked about Sergeant Slaughter is because it, it was something that, as someone who would watched a lot more wrestling, that when I caught him in G.I. Joe, it really confused me of the order of the canon, which I had to sort out oh. in my head. Yeah. Like, is he a wrestler that's now in the military? Or is he, which order did things happen in? Because that's important. Oh, uh, you know, no, on the cartoon <laughs> and, and whatever, he was not a wrestler. He was simply... Right. A, a drill sergeant and it was funny he you know he based his drill sergeant character on um i think on full metal jacket or something crazy like that he was like this is all i know about it and i'm gonna play this character and so that's what he did but but yeah he he, he, he wasn't a wrestler in in the in the comic um which again that would have been just taking it too far uh, you guys <laughs> I really, I, I think that it's interesting that we haven't had anything recent of G.I. Joe. There's been no big resurgence beyond the comic books that anybody had, could grab onto. It seems like it's something that could go pretty well these days. I, as soon, you know, it, there was a, a little thing called 9-11 that happened that, <laughs> that I feel like really put the, it put the sort of, uh, the final nail in the co- like GI Joe was kind of at the end of its run towards uh, the end of the nineties. And then the idea of a special army force made up of basically cartoon characters fighting, um, terrorist organization. And then it was just like, Oh, wait a minute. That's not a terrorist organization <laughs> or it was, or it was almost too real or something. And so I felt like that for a while that, that I was like, they're never going to bring these back. It's a, it's a very much of a time, but you're right. It's, it, it, it is, it is strange how, you know, that they, I mean, they still do stuff for the collector's market, right? but that's all it is for, you know, the kids are not playing with or collecting these toys today. So, yeah, I don't think my son has ever shown any interest in the ones they have at the stores because I think he agree with you. They're all knockoffs now of GI Joe and they all seem incredibly bland. It's, they don't do yeah. it. Yeah. The thing is, they're coming out with some really, really cool, uh, you know, new toys, like in in sort of the original packaging and stuff. And 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 they're really cool. But I'm not you know, I'm like, I'm not into this to buy new toys of the the characters that I liked. I'm probably the, in it only to buy the, the toys I liked as a kid and didn't have or the ones that I, you know, wished I had or something. But 
it yeah it's weird it's weird i'm like i don't know if i would what am i who are these toys for they're just for like an increasingly smaller and smaller subset of people i think and i think more and more expensive too yeah i think that sort of happened with 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 ghostbusters um which is which is everybody has you know six peter venkmans already it's like what are you gonna do now (laughs) it's like how many more of those same sort of figures can you market to us before we just um you know just sort of move on and i think the answer is uh as many as they want (laughs) as long as people keep buying them you know um but i was always like you know what if i've got one peter venkman i'm i'm good i'm good i don't uh i don't need any (laughs) more That's something I noticed a lot with the, with the figures in the 80s. There'd be kind of redos of redos. And they did it with Batman, especially in the 89 Batman cart toys. They would have oh. Fire Bat Batman, and then they would have Ice Protection Batman, and they'd all have slightly different paint jobs, but it's still just Batman. <laughs> I mean, how many good guys uh, are in this series they can really do? Yeah, uh, the Batman toys were were my favorite one of those from 1989. Um, there weren't very many, but my favorite one was the was the Bruce Wayne one, uh, which is basically just a Michael Keaton action figure, <laughs> which is which is uh, still a pretty cool thing in my opinion. But um, yeah, they they had that, and they, but then they started to just add like they're like. Once they started to say, hey, uh, this one is a deep sea Batman and he has flippers or something. I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is this is getting kind of lame, you guys. I already have one Batman. The thing is what I get what they're doing. But but if you're a kid and you wanted to play with these, why would you have two Batman figures? You can't play with them at the same time. They exist. No. It's the same character. And I think that was the issue with it wasn't so much of an issue with G.I. Joe because at first. But, yeah, towards the end, when they're just repainting the same characters, you're like, you're like, wait a minute. You're just trying to get me to buy more of these because I, I literally I can't I can't play with I can't play with two Peter Venkmans at the same time. I've got plenty um, of roadblocks. I don't need another. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, those those Batman figures were were pretty wild too. Um, they had not really neat figures like ac- accessories, and they had good uh, play features. But yeah, there was no reason to keep buying them. Basically, it, it was uh, yeah. It was also like I don't know the the whole thing about the the Batman toys was yeah. They had the really cool uh, cool Batman who had the. the the gear on his belt so that he could, uh, he could, uh, sort of shimmy up a, a building side or something. <laughs> um, and so that was a pretty cool, pretty cool one. Um, but yeah, there's, there's only so much you can do with those before you like, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of playing Batman here. Um, I have Bob the goon. I'm pretty happy with that. Bob the goon was, <laughs> was such a, a throwaway character in the movie and then for some somehow for him to for them to turn him into an action figure was very bizarre like was he bigger in the script or um you know how did how is there a bob the goon but not a vicky vale figure again it goes back to the whole oh we don't think the kids want to play with i would have played with the vicky vale figure trust Batman would always have to save vicky vale and eddie knox I know. Oh, Eddie Knox. Oh, 
Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that's definitely, there's so many characters they could have done besides Bob the Goon. <laughs> um, it's still, still, yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of fun though. A lot of fun. So speaking of growing up, we're, um, if you don't mind me asking, I've been curious about your connection with Ghostbusters because you wrote the book, uh, Ghosts of Our Past. Yeah. Um, what? How did you get that? I mean, that's just kind of I've been a big fan of in-universe materials and any kind of toy I would collect, you know, all the way back even to G.I. Joe and things like that. I'd want something like they had that they would use. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was really kind of cool that we actually got a in-universe book in the real world that's written completely from the perspective of uh, Aaron, Aaron and uh, Abby. Yeah, I, I I had always been a fan of the in universe stuff because it just it really immerses yourself in that world and it makes it feel like it's it's real. And I had like a, a you know like a I think a Ghostbusters training book. It was this little sticker book that came out in 1984-85, but it was called like a Ghostbusters training book and it was only like 20 pages and i and i was obsessed with it though i was like oh this is pretty cool it's like they're acting like this stuff is real and it's not because at the time most of the tie-in stuff was just a movie picture book right there was nothing i hated more as a kid than a movie picture book um because it was like i had an et one and i was like so you're it's just a bunch of pictures from the movie I'm like, why do why is do I care about that? Um, but when it actually went above and beyond and they put some thought into this stuff and, and they're like, oh, this is something that the characters, you know, could be, see on screen or whatever. I was like, oh, that's that's really cool. Um, they don't really do a ton of that um, because I guess the, the issue is that it's that it requires you to know that movie intimately or that property or whatever, know it so intimately that you can, that you can enjoy this. And a lot of people are just sort of a little more casual about their fandom. Right. So uh, if you had someone who was just a casual uh, fan of something and they picked up an in world thing, it just, they, they might not buy it. You know, it's, it's really more for the diehard fans and, and, uh, I was I had done a book called How to Survive a Sharknado. That was another in-world guide, and that uh, the book actually appeared on screen in Sharknado too, um, which uh, you know uh, was a movie that got made. I can say, <laughs> and and I was talking to my uh, my editor at Random House, and he's and he said, you know, what other you know this one did pretty well. What other in world type books would you want to do? Um, and I had a, a couple that I wanted to do. I said Ghostbusters, uh, do something in world with Ghostbusters, some kind of ghost hunting guide. Uh, I I mean I pitched like a Tobin Spirit guide. Um, little did I know they were actually working on a, a Tobin Spirit guide yeah. already uh, through Insight Editions. Um, which is out there. And, and I said, you know, I've got, uh, I also wanted to do a, um, uh, the, uh, handbook for the recently deceased through Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Sure. And I was like, that would be pretty cool. The problem with Beetlejuice was at the time there was no, there was some talk about a second movie, but Beetlejuice goes wide. Yeah. <laughs> and so so it didn't really that never really came together but but uh my 
my uh, editor called me up a couple months later and said, hey, that Ghostbusters thing you're talking about, they're going to make a new movie. And I was like, oh, wow, that's that's great. And he says, here's the script. Let me know if you if you want to work on this. And I got the script. And um, yeah, the first thing I noticed was that I go, oh, this is not tied into the old Ghostbusters. <laughs> and uh, and. You know, as a longtime Ghostbusters fan, some of the first stuff I wrote back in the 80s was Ghostbusters fan fiction. I wrote Ghostbusters 2 before there was a Ghostbusters 2 movie. Um, And so I was, you know, I was I was I was always into Ghostbusters. And I was like, as someone who was really into Ghostbusters, I didn't dress up or anything and do the, the 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 local franchise stuff or whatever. But um, but I was like. The first I just started reading through the script and I go, oh, there's this is going to be a problem. <laughs> this is going to be a problem. Out already. This is <laughs> this is not tied to the first one. I go, oh, don't worry, though. We'll get to the end. And then, uh, you know, those those cameo characters, which actually were not the same in there or in there at the time, because um, I think uh, at the time, Dan Aykroyd was supposed to play like a a conspiracy theorist radio dj or something or a podcaster a podcaster and uh and he was supposed to be yeah and so like there was some stuff in there and i was like oh it's gonna come out at the end that he's gonna wink at the camera or something and they're gonna go hey that really did happen a long time ago, but we had to wipe everybody's minds, you know, because something, something interdimensional cross rip. Right. Sure. And I go, Oh, don't worry. It's going to come out. Okay. And, and, um, then, you know, I, I think from there it just sort of built, but, uh, we, we all know what happened, uh, right. which is that it did not tie in at some point. And, and, you know, it was I think they were probably damned if they did, damned if they didn't, though, because if they did, they would be like, you you ruined it now. How dare you be part of the canon You know, <laughs> if it didn't do well? So so the the book, though, A Ghost from Our Past was in the movie and they said, we want to make this into like a real object. And, you know, and since he did the same thing with Sharknado, can you do it with this? And I was like, absolutely. And and. Uh, you know, and I tried to tie it back to the original Ghostbusters as much as I could, at least in terms of, uh, you know, classes like, of creatures and stuff. I was like, oh, well, similar tonally. Yeah, yeah. And if and if fans see that there's some tone and there's and there's some stuff like classification that goes the same across the universes, they can see that they're you know that this is just a different dimension, but yet. Obviously, the things that we called ghosts in the first Ghostbusters movie were were from another dimension. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) wait a minute. Those weren't even ghosts. They were just, you know, interdimensional entities, uh, some of them. So you go, oh, well, I could theoretically you can sort of tie in all the worlds if you kind of wink at the reader and stuff. And so and that's kind of what I wanted to do, which was which was just write the book that I would have wanted to read as a kid as a tie in. And so you take all of the ghosts and all of the science seriously and everything. And and I read a bunch of physics books because it was supposed to be from the part of a couple. You know, they were physicists in this movie. And I tried, you know, I, I, I tried really hard to make it, it as real as possible 
And then, you know, the, the movie comes out and like they had just ad libbed some scenes. And so there were like scenes where they go, oh, it's a class three, blah, blah, blah. And I go, that's not a class three. What are you doing? What are you doing? I go, did you not? Did you not read my book or did you not read the, the classification system for the original film or the cartoon right. or now, I will say that a lot of the stuff that we take for as canon, like from the original film, like the classification system, was stuff that was either uh, just ad-libbed <laughs> by Dan or just mumbo-jumbo that he threw in the script. So he didn't have, like, sitting off to the side a classification a system, the Bible. There was no – he had no – you know, so that's why when you try to make sense of it all, it's not easy. It's not no. easy. But it was it was made a little bit more difficult than when – yeah, when, when the movie comes out. And I'm like, oh, no, you guys kind of ad lib stuff that wasn't in the script. And I go, that kind of goes against. Oh, never mind. It's I just I just kind of uh, was like, you know, it is what it is. I think people that pick up the book are smart enough to know that uh, that stuff happens. Right. It's not. <laughs> I, uh, I got the book shortly before the film came out when you were putting it up on Twitter because I had read uh, Sharknado first. That was the first uh, introduction I had to your work. OK, yeah. And when I finally when I found out the book existed and I read it, I was I love the movie. I love Ghostbusters Answer the Call 2016, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was a fun alternate dimension take on the idea. Yeah. Uh, and I was kind of disappointed because there was a lot you wrote about that I felt it felt really real. And you could clearly see it was coming from an early script or an early treatment. Things like Ghost Girl and all that. That wasn't even mentioned in the film. Just one quick line about, oh, I'm Ghost Girl again. But like, who's Ghost Girl? What's that about? Yeah, there, there. I mean, in the in the original script, you know, that was like a whole like you know five page sequence, you know, the the ghost girl thing or or some different stuff, and and a lot of that got cut out or changed or was I I don't even think that was filmed, you know. So so there was stuff there that was from the script and 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 as they kept work, but I was working on it at the same time they were filming it. So I had no idea what it was. And, and I was but I was actually also going back and forth with like uh, Paul Feig and Katie Dippel. They gave their notes on it. So, um, you know, they would be like, oh, well, um, we think she's really went to the University of Michigan or, some, you know, they would throw in little tidbits and I'd be like, OK, I'll run with that, you know. Um, but again, it's like it's like once y you can all have the best intentions and then and then once. You know, the movie, the final cut of the movie was basically they the studio said, hey, we need more uh, we need more comedy scenes here and here in yeah. these beats. And so they had to go do reshoots, which happens with every movie. But uh, especially with this one, they were just under such a, a microscope at that time. And everyone was like, oh, reshoots, that means something bad. And I'm like, it happens with every movie, especially with the Sony leak and everything. That was a yeah. big Yeah. Thing. Yeah, but you could tell where the reshoots were, though. I mean, the yeah. the scenes where they're testing out gear in the alley um, because they're like, hey, we need some, you know, gear for toys to sell or something. We could just can you just have them playing around with different stuff? And so it was like so the movie that came out obviously was not the 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 movie that that Paul had started with. Um, and there were scenes that they were supposed to shoot that they ended up not having the money for. Um, so, so, you know, they, they, the scene that was in the rock concert was originally supposed to be a scene at a comic book convention and it, they just oh. thought it was going to cost too much to, 
um, you know, make a comic book convention look real, I guess, on their budget. They're like, hey, we can turn a room into a club concert, but you want us to put on like a full San Diego Comic Con thing? That's going to be a just a lot of extra work. And so they said, okay, well, we'll just have them, you know, fight this ghost here instead of, instead of there. And and it ended up being like, you know, you go, Oh, well, I guess that's okay. But at the same time, uh, it's something kind of felt mishmash. Very, it just felt, it just felt like, Hey, I guess since we're here already, we can do some ad libbing with these wigs backstage. Right. (laughs) Is it the wig or the hat? I really like the uh, the extended edition that they put up online the for the Blu-ray and everything. And they actually oh, touched yeah, on the, yeah. the ghost girl and everything, and then the paranormal is normal made me crack up. Yeah, yeah. No, they, there is so much stuff that, you know, that I was like, it would have been cool if all this stuff had made it into the movie that, that um, you know, the thought they went behind these characters and everything. But, um, you know, I get it's movie making, though. It's not yeah. – you don't end up with it's not your money and and you know and paul's a professional so he knows this <laughs> and and you know and he and he's continued to work steady since then so um you know which is which is good because i've always enjoyed his his films and everything and i thought the ghost but i thought answer the call was really funny um i just think that you know there was everybody i think thinks oh there was just there were just some missed opportunities there that yeah. um that if they'd had the money, if they'd had, you know, the foresight, it, it just, it really uh, felt that the backlash that it had so early, even before the first trailer came out, affected the film. Actually, it feels like it affected the filming of it, which probably explains the reshoots of, you know, extra comedy in that to make it more appealing. They, oh yeah, it definitely affected that because there, I mean, there was the scene there where they're like going through YouTube comments or something, yeah. which was, um, which which actually was um, was in the, in the original script, though. And I know that some people are like, oh, it looks like he's commenting on the haters here. And I go, it no, actually, like it, yeah. that was, it felt like it um, in, in retrospect. But he's like, no, that was actually written before there was any backlash <laughs> against the movie, which wow. is which is so weird. Um, yeah. So. So, yeah. But no, it was it was it was uh, it was such a cool project, though, just because I got to, uh, you know, go into the this whole sort of Ghostbusters world, though, and really immerse myself in it and and did what I'd always wanted to do, which was tie their ghost stuff into the real world. And, you know, the the so say, hey, they aren't the first Ghostbusters, you know, there were, you know, if we can go back to say, you know, Harry Houdini was was someone who, um, you know, tried to bust fraudsters and stuff. So right. ghost busting has a has a long sort of history to it. And I wanted to tie it all in together. And so that I was I was so I was I was pretty thrilled with how the book turned out, too. Yeah, it, I think it was a really it was very much in the in the feel of the characters as I would picture them, especially as they were portrayed, which I think that worked out pretty well. It, it, there isn't enough of that kind of deep dive into the universes. So it's always nice to see. Yeah. 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 Although I will say that originally I had been told that the characters were played by different actors, um, that, that, that Melissa McCarthy's, uh, character was played by, I think, Leslie Jones and Chris or no, it was I, I got the Kristen Wiig and Melissa McCarthy characters mixed up backwards. Oh. And so I had written all of these jokes like 
in these in back in these histories of these characters and it ended up being um really it coming off is really bad because I put all these jokes that apparently when you have the same words coming out of Melissa McCarthy's mouth that were supposed to come out of Kristen Wiig's mouth, um, yeah. <laughs> they just didn't sound the same. And some of them came off as as fat jokes. And I had at one point like the idea I had at one point that um, Kristen Wiig was in the woods and her parents and she survived on like eating dog food for like a week or something in the woods. Ooh, ooh, that, <laughs> and, <I can> see. <laughs> and, and, um, I think I left something like that in the book, but, but coming at like imagining Kristen wig eating dog food. It's just like, Oh, that's kind of weird and quirky. Like, like, McCarthy, like not so much. imagining Melissa McCarthy. And so, yeah, so, <laughs> so yeah, so it was a wonder. It was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it was amazing that I was able to to capture any bit of the characters thinking the whole time they were different ones. And then when I got the notes back there from Paul, they were like, he's like, what are all these fat jokes? <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> so I don't, I, I'm sure I, I don't think he holds grudges, but he was just like, he's just like, I'm tired of people making fat jokes about Melissa McCarthy. And of course, then we get the movie and she's like puking and farting. <laughs> Yeah, there were a few too many scenes like that, but it, it, I I liked how they handled her character. She was really smart, which was really really a nice refresher from the dumb, overweight character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she yeah, she, yeah. She was a great character. She uh, but she was originally supposed to play the the Patty Tolan character. Um, so like the the fourth one to come in and into the group, and then she goes, no, I want to play this other character that's against type. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I'm tired of being that character that just, you know, walks in and is like, hey, I'm crazy, everybody. Yeah, I'm like not Christ like makes. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she goes, I want to play this other character. And they go, fine. So we'll switch you and Leslie Jones around. Well, I mean, we all know what happened there was immediately you switch them around. And then it looks like uh, she got Winstoned, right? right. Where, where you're like, oh, well, she got the the Winston role, uh, the, the fourth character that comes in and happens to be black. And you go, no, 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 no. That wasn't what was supposed to happen. No, no. That was. Uh, uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely feel it. I, I can see that. That, that would be an I, interesting film. I would not want to take on like a franchise like, you know, like in the in the public eye like that like paul did i don't know how he maintained his sanity i don't know how um, he does it anymore because people still it, are after him for that oh gosh yeah he it, i don't know it's maybe he has something that you know in <laughs> in his suits that just sort of bounces off the negativity or something but um i know he drinks a lot of martinis let me ask one more question for the end of the interview here yeah. If you could have anything for G.I. Joe made your dream project to be involved in, what would you do? What would you want to do? Oh, my gosh. Um, so the the weird thing is, is I don't think I would want to do any G.I. Joe thing. I, I think that, you know, what, what I've sort of come around to is that the stuff I'm into and as adult besides, you know, Ghostbusters and stuff is not necessarily the stuff that I was into as a as a as a kid. And so, uh, you know, when I look at like the G.I. Joe comics and that kind of stuff, I go, I could not write 
an in-world guide to this <laughs> or something. You know, I couldn't – I don't know if I could do anything in that world just because it's so um, it's so insane. Like you have to be slightly unhinged, I think, to work at G.I. Joe to, – to work with G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What do you, you – that's just sort of the, the impression I get is that I – like – to do kids stuff, something that's geared specifically towards kids like G.I. Joe is, is uh, is just another sort of world that right. you, you you can't be logical at all. And I think that was where, you know, I had a lot of fun with Sharknado and with Ghostbusters because I got to use sort of the logics part of my brain um, with like, yeah, with Sharknado, I got to f- try to figure out like, Okay, if a Sharknado was real, how do the sharks stay alive in the, in the you know, and so it's, and yeah, and so I talked to like, you know, a marine biologist and I'm like, how is this possible? And they're like, well, if the winds were strong enough and there was enough water and rain, it would just sort of force the 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 water through the lungs it, or it or, or sorry, through the gills. The gills yeah. And the reason, like, like they do breathe oxygen, uh, it's just that on land the the gills will uh, sort of gum up and stick together. Um, but if you could open a sh- a shark's gills on land, it could live for a while because it would breathe the oxygen. And it was like, okay, well that gives me some ideas. So I was able to like throw stuff in the book. Uh, I was like, hey, I'll try to make sense of their nonsense. So, yeah, I, I but looking at G.I. Joe, I'm like, this is so far beyond nonsense. Uh, <laughs> nonsense. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think actually you did more research for your film than the Sharknado uh, crew did because it made more sense than the movies did as much fun as they were. No, I, I did. I, I really did because there was stuff that I asked them questions. and They're like, we have no idea. And I'm like, OK. I'll, I'll try to figure what do you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, okay, I'll try to figure it out. But but yeah, you know, I so so yeah, I like GI Joe, Transformers, some of the stuff that I was into as a kid, I'm just like if it was geared towards kids, I just sound like not into it, you know, anymore. Uh which is fine. And I just don't know if I could work on anything that's geared towards a kid. Like like uh but you know, I say that and then my Sharknado book and Ghost from Our Past were read by quite a few um, you know, tweens and, yeah. and, and kids and teenagers and all sorts of kids. And, and so I would get like fan letters from, from kids. And I was like, what is this? I go, I wrote this for adults. I go, I'm taking Sharknado seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, so I have accidentally written children's books, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I would, it would definitely be something with ninjas though. I would have ninjas, um, I would want to see. I would. I do want to see. You know, just a GI Joe movie that's just wall-to-wall ninja action. I don't want to see any of the army guys. I just want to see ninjas. Or, I guess they, they went more spy ninjas and things like that than yeah. actual like just big battles. Yeah, and now as I say that though, I realize that you can't. If ninjas are good, you can't see them. So. Hmm. Well, again, thank you so much for doing this and hope we can talk again in the near future. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Well, I'll talk to you some other time, John. Oh, definitely. Good luck with the podcast. Yeah. Once again, I want to thank Andrew Schaefer for being an awesome guest and making this show a lot more classy than it probably deserves. I learned more about 
G.I. Joe in that conversation than I have ever known in the past, and I think that's just awesome. This is why I'm doing this. I love hearing what people love, I love hearing people nerd out, and I like being able to share what I see from sometimes an outsider perspective in this case, but as you heard when we get into Ghostbusters, it turned into a completely different conversation. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for more. If you have ideas or you have something you want to share, I'd love to hear it. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm at JP Vries or at RadChatPod. Never be embarrassed about the things you love. Don't be afraid to nerd out once in a while and be good to each other. <laughs>